what I love about the tapestry of God and the beauty of the kingdom of God is that we come from a lot of different places. We come from different backgrounds. The church I pastored in Abilene, we were different colors. I mean, we look like heaven. And looking around this room, I mean, we have all kinds of people represented. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ. Another beautiful piece of that is that not everybody is at the same place. We're not clones. God's not stamping out and die-casting clones. So we're all at different places in the journey. When I was a brand new young follower of Jesus, you have to understand I was not raised in church. I got saved over the hood of my pickup, not in church. I prayed to receive Jesus on a warm spring night up in West Texas under a beautiful stars night. And, and so it wasn't even a church thing that got me to Christ. And so when I stepped into the church world, I was stepping on a lunar landscape. It was a completely different place. And when I stepped in, it was also a very confusing place. So I'd gotten connected with the church in Lubbock at that time. I'd moved to Lubbock to get ready to go to Texas Tech that next semester after I graduated from high school. So I, I went to this church called um, South Crest Baptist Church. Some friends went there, and so they invited me to go. And uh, they said, hey, on Wednesday nights after church, we play volleyball. There will be like 60 or 70 young people, students in college, and we'll play volleyball. I'm like, man, I'm up for that. That sounds great. So I show up to church on Wednesday night before the volleyball game. And what I didn't realize is that there was an unspoken law or code that young people didn't go to church on Wednesday nights. So I show up, and I've got like, you think I've got a mullet now. You should have seen it back then. I had an FMX t-shirt, had Journey on the front, on the back. FMX is a radio station, classic rock station, love it. I'm brand new to Jesus. I'm rough. You think I'm rough now. I was really rough then. And I show up, and I'm excited. I've got my Bible. I've got my notebook. And I walk in, and I kid you not, that room, it was like code blue. There was blue hair everywhere. <laughs> I mean, blue and I'm sitting there going, where are all my friends that invited me to church? I didn't know they were going to come later to play volleyball after the prayer meeting. It wasn't even a Bible study. It was a prayer meeting. And so, so I, I stuck it out, and we prayed for somebody's big toe and somebody's dog. And I was just like, wow, is this all there is to following Jesus? Because you have to understand, when I stepped over the line to go all in, I abandoned everything everything in my past everything I was all in I pushed my chips to the middle of the table and I was not looking back I mean really there wasn't much to look at I'd tried it for 18 years on my own and our golden question around here is anybody remember what our golden question is you got it how's that working for you so after 18 years it was not working for me and when I stepped over the line to go all in with Jesus Beloved, I went all in with Jesus. And I, my mentality was no going back. But here's what I learned about church world compared to what I'd come out of. You know, if I was playing football, I was all in. If I was racing motocross, I was all in. If I was playing in a rock band, I was all in. Everything I did was all in because that's how you did life until you got to church. And then I realized a lot of people were not all in. I don't know if they were bored. I don't know if they're, I don't even know if we were looking at the same Jesus sometimes. Because God had rescued me from so much. All I could do was be all in. I didn't know any other way to be. 
But I remembered something that a preacher had said. This came later. But I remember hearing somebody say that between the distance between the middle of your brain, this is an adult male, and the middle of your heart is 17 inches. 17 inches. I remember this evangelist saying this. He said, who would, who would want to miss eternity by 17 inches? I got to tell you, I, wasn't even, I was a Christian. I was ready to get saved again. I was about ready to go back to the altar on that one. I was like, yes. I don't want to miss him. And he said this, and this is something, too, that I've extrapolated over the years, is that there is a difference between knowing about Christ intellectually, about knowing the Bible intellectually. I've met Christians over the years. I've been doing this over three decades. I've met a lot of believers, a lot of followers of Jesus who know about him, but I've also met a lot that knew about him but didn't know him. See, there's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing them. And what I mean by that is knowing in your knower. So when I stepped over the line, I gave my heart to Jesus. I was all in. Katie barred the door. Nothing's going to stop me. And so I showed up on a Wednesday night, code blue. And you know what? Next Wednesday night I did, I showed up on a Wednesday night, code blue, and I brought 10 students with me. Then the next Wednesday night, before too long, I had the whole student ministry coming on Wednesday night. We totally invaded and overwhelmed that room. It was not code blue anymore. The pastor and, and the youth minister, Ricky, he didn't know what to do with that. Because they'd never had anything except for volleyball for students on Wednesday night. And I'm like, we need to be learning. We need to be studying. We need to be, uh, is anyone else hungry for the Bible? Is anyone else hungry for the presence of God? Why? Because I had gone all in. Now I have to tell you something. That's been a while. I was 18. I'm 58 now. And you know what? That passion has not diminished. In fact, it's escalated because as I read the scripture and we're going to see this in the book of Philippians chapter 3 as I read the scripture there is no halfway with Jesus there is no well I'll go to church because it's good for the kids or I'll go to church because I messed up last night and I just need to I need to get some I need to get some forgiveness you're either in or you're out it's an any outy thing. This, code, this coasting mentality of just, you know, just Jesus makes me feel good and my version Bible makes me feel good. What about actually going all in with Jesus and saying whatever you want, whenever you want it, and wherever you want me to go, I'll go. That's putting the go in the gospel. So my question for you today is do you know him not here do you know him the way we say it around here is do you know in your knower do you know in your knower that you have given your heart to Jesus and and I'm not saying listen no man can make that happen no no amount of intellectualism no amount of trying to talk somebody into it no amount of of reading books can get you there. This is a transformation of the heart and the spirit. Jesus said this, you must be born again. And he talked to Nicodemus. He said, not just born of water, not just 
not just born of a physical baby, but born of the Spirit. You must be born again. So the question is this, are you going to miss life by 17 inches? Because you got it here, but it hasn't made the jump to here. And as we read the book of Philippians together, we continue through this track. You have to understand, Paul was all in. In fact, we're going to get his resume of his former life in just a minute as we read through Philippians chapter 3. We're in, we're in week 6 this week, and, and, and the title is simply this, that I may know him out of Philippians 3 verse 10. So turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3, and let's dive into God's Word. Let's get into the Word, but better yet, let's let the Word of God get into us and let His Word transform us. Let's let truth set us free. Amen, family? Definition of hallelujah. Very simple. It simply means a shout of praise, joy, or thanksgiving. When we lived in Midland, we were at Mid-Cities Church. There was a precious man there by the name of Clyde Brown. Everybody knew who Clyde Brown was, even when the church was 3,000 people. Because Clyde Brown was a retired builder, basically famous in, in, in Midland, Odessa. But anytime he liked something, he'd say, Amen! And he would say it with boldness. He, I don't know how he did it. He would project across the whole place. He said, hallelujah. And everybody would get uncomfortable like you're doing right now. <laughs> Felt a little awkward. But after a while, you just loved it. And then if he wasn't there, it was like, where's Clyde? Well, I didn't hear him today. Is he okay? Clyde Brown was such a powerful evangelist and a passionate warrior for Jesus. Still is. That if you were to get in an elevator on the sixth floor and ride to the first, you would be saved by the time you walked out of the elevator. It was the gift of evangelism this man carried. And if you, if you were already born again, you would be repenting and rededicating your life to Jesus as you walked out of the elevator. He had a gift of evangelism on his life. That man knew how to throw up a shout of praise, a shout of joy, a shout of thanksgiving. And that's what this series is all about, is that no matter how dark things are, no matter what you're going through or where you find yourself in life, you can always raise up a hallelujah. You can shout hallelujah anyway. In fact, it's not a bad idea to add anyway on the end of your shout. Hallelujah anyway. Because it doesn't matter what you're going through. Let me say something. Belief has nothing to do with how you feel. Look at me, family. This has nothing to do with the mood you're in, the circumstances that you're in, or where you find yourself today. It means has nothing to do with that because belief believes irregardless. It believes anyway. So hallelujah shouts joy, praise, and thanksgiving anyway. And it's all about faith. All about faith, not how you feel. And so when we get in here to worship and we get in here to praise God, this should, be, it should have nothing to do with what's going on in your life. But some of us come in here, we're so guilt-ridden and shame-ridden that we don't even feel like we're worthy to praise God. Let me tell you, when your praise is the purest and the sweetest, it's in your, when you're in your darkest place. It's when you don't feel anything and you raise up a hallelujah anyway. You worship anyway. You praise Him anyway. That's when it's pure. That's when it's real. That's when it's raw. 
we were at an event last night over in Bernie, and it was the Hill Country Daily Bread. Love that ministry. Love David and Agnes Hubbard. They're doing a great work, and we go over there and celebrate with them. There's a thousand people there, and and uh, and I noticed some Travis Eads, our campus minister from Oak Hills. He's now the the lead minister at Oak Hills there in Crown. He was hosting, and what was so sad is that there was so much chatter in that room, so much dishonor, and so much disrespect. That even as Travis was trying to, he was having a, to raise a shout over the noise. And then there was this young girl, Rachel. She's like led worship there for years and during this event. And she gets up with this guy with the guitar. And she's trying to lead worship. And there's so much chatter. There's so much talking going on. No one is even respecting the fact that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is being praised in that moment. Let me tell you something. I wanted to get up and throw down. I'm just saying. Nothing's worse than dishonor and disrespect. And then as we went through the evening, and it was a beautiful evening. That was just a side thing that was frustrating. But as we got to the end of it, then uh, Natalie Grant gave a concert, and she got up with her band from Nashville, and she started, oh, my goodness, she brought the presence of God. She has a new song that, that's, that says, your presence is a weapon. The presence of God is a weapon. She shared a bit of her story. But you know what happened during that time? The chatter kept going. I was like... What is going on? Every song she sang, tears were coming down my cheeks because I was like, yes, I agree with that. That resonates with me. But yet I heard this noise going on. I had to keep just trying to block it out in order to stay focused. At one point, she stopped. And she said, I've never done a show where there was so much chat. Y'all are chatty. She said, then she said, I didn't leave my three daughters in Nashville to come down here to entertain you. She jerked the slack out of a thousand people's chains in about a nanosecond. That's a pro. She called, I mean, it was like, oop. Oh, I mean, the barometric room in the place changed. The barometric pressure changed, and then all of a sudden, it was like, ooh. By the end of that thing, people were worshiping, hands were up everywhere. Sometimes it takes somebody to step up and say something that maybe is awkward and doesn't feel good, but we need to hear the truth. Paul's no different. I hope today you hear some truth. Because some of you, some of you, I love you, beloved. I hope you know that by now. Four and a half years of this, four years in a month. I love you. But I also have to speak the truth. And I believe Jesus is calling us to be all in. Amen. All in. To push our chips to the middle of the table. To not play church. To not show up and leave and show up and leave and go, oh, it was great. Oh, it wasn't so good. Oh, Jimmy missed a chord, which I did today. Yeah. <laughs> so what? Hallelujah anyway. You know, oh, was, you know, this didn't work or technology was acting. When you're all in with Jesus, you don't care about any of that stuff. You just care about him. Listen to Paul's heart. As we get into this, so it's called that I may know him, and I'm basing this off of Philippians 3, 10. And remember, Paul's writing while he's incarcerated, also knowing that this could be the last thing he does. So he's writing several of the churches. They're called the prison epistles, where he wrote several of the churches that he had planted on his missionary journeys. You can read about it all through the book of Acts. Is the, is the history of planting the churches. This church happened to be the church, the first church that was planted in Europe. 
And when that church was planted, it was because he was actually forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel somewhere else. Doesn't that sound strange? The Holy Spirit would prevent you from sharing the gospel? So he tried to go up into Bithynia, and the Holy Spirit said no. He's like, oh, whoa, okay, wait a minute. I want to go share the gospel, and I'm being told no. And the Holy Spirit re redirects him through a vision called the Macedonian vision, the Macedonian call. So Macedonia was Europe. So they went over the bay and established the first church in Philippi. Philippi being this bustling city of commerce, kind of like Austin or Seattle. That helped a little bit. Or Sydney, Australia. These towns it had a mishmash of everything. You think keep, Austin's keeping it weird? Philippi was keeping it weird. Because it was a mishmash of beliefs and people. And, and it was also a retirement community for all the Roman guards. So when you were a Roman warrior, if you lived and retired, you went to Philippi. So you can imagine the atmosphere being very strange. In the midst of that, Paul's writing to the people that he loved the most. He said, I love you with the affection of Christ. He loved this church. Look what he says in verse 1. He says, whatever happens. You ever had a teenager say whatever? This is not that. <laughs> whatever Whatever happens, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, he's saying whatever, whether I die or not, whether you ever hear from me again or not, he says this, rejoice in the Lord. He says it 16 times in only four chapters. I mean, he's serious about this. Whatever happens, I never get tired of telling you these things. Paul was an encourager. We think Paul's running around just with a ruler, you know, measuring out the performance of churches, doing metrics on churches. That was not Paul at all. You read between the lines, he did have to bring correction. Read First and Second Corinthians. Read First and Second Peter. Read Titus. He had to deal with a lot of things going on. But in this case, he's loving this church. He's being himself. And he says this, I never get tired of telling you these things. I never get tired of encouraging you. I never get tired of building you up. See, this is not about, about breaking you down or bashing you. It's about building you up. He says this, and I do it to safeguard your faith. I do it because I care about you. I want you to run. I want you to make it. Now, listen to this. Watch out for those dogs. He must be talking about those, those retired Roman soldiers, right? They were brutal. They were brutal. So he must be talking about them. Or he must be talking about some of these pagan priests and these people that ran these temples the occult that was he must be talking about them or maybe he's talking about those philosophers that had so infiltrated the greek the greco-roman culture he's got to be talking about them right look who he's talking about watch out for those dogs those people who do evil those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved who is he talking about the jewish religious leaders He's saying, they're telling you that in order to be saved, you have to do this. He's saying, watch out for those. And he's so polite, right? Yeah, Paul, he's just, yeah, he's just being vague and ambiguous. You, those dogs. Those animals. Look what he says. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. I'm not going to go into detail on circumcision, but every man in this room is a little uncomfortable right now. But the bottom line is this. It's the cutting away of dead flesh. That's the whole point. It is symbolic of the, of the flesh being cut away for that which is living. So that's enough said about that. So look at what he says. 
we worship are the ones who are truly circumcised. That means our flesh, our old man, that which was buried with Christ in baptism and now raised in walk of newness of life, that, he said, we worship by the Spirit of God. He says, we rely on what Christ has done. Is that past tense, present tense, or future tense? Thank you. Two people got that, right? Okay. We're going to retake that test. Is that past tense, present tense, or future tense? It's past tense. What Jesus has already done. Think about this, family. Jesus has already paid the price for your sin, past, present, and future. Jesus has already taken care of it. In fact, on the cross, he talks about it, and we'll see that in just a minute. We rely on what Christ has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. In other words, there is nothing I can do to be saved personally. There's nothing I can do. I can't act better. I can't straighten it up. I can't get my act together. I can't jerk the slack out of my own chain. I can't do anything. This is a work of grace by faith. And it's a work of Jesus and the Spirit in our lives. And look what he says this. And listen to John verse 19. Living life from the finished work of Jesus. This is so critical for you to make it. Look at this. When he had received the drink, this is Jesus on the cross, Jesus said three words. What is it? It's actually one word. Tetelestai in Koine Greek. Tetelestai means it is finished. Another way to say it is paid in full. And another way to say it is the debt is canceled. Debt canceled, paid in full, it is finished. You have to understand, family, we actually live our lives not toward the cross, but out of the resurrection. The cross looks good on a piece of jewelry, amen? No doubt. You try putting a tomb on a necklace, that's just not going to work. It's going to look weird, right? But the truth is, is we don't live toward the cross. We live from and out of the resurrection. We have been raised to walk in new life. That's who we are. Listen, Telesai says this. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Why? He finished the course. He ran his race. Now listen to this. Romans 6, 4. Therefore, I love this about baptism. We got to see a beautiful picture of that last week. And if you, you should go online and watch it on on the video on YouTube. It is incredible watching that. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. So that's what baptism is. It's a picture. It's a metaphor for dying. If you're a good Baptist, we hold them down until the bubbles come up. We got to make sure they're really baptized. If a toe comes up, no, 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 no. Somebody go push that down. We've got to make sure they're fully immersed, right? I know. It's silly, right? We got, it's baptism, that's what it is. Buried with him through baptism into death. There it is. But just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Family, this is what happens when you're all in. When you know in your knower, you know that every moment for you is a new moment. I'm not talking about a new day, a new week, a new chapter, a new year, a new season. I'm talking about every day that you're with Christ, it is a new moment. And it is a new creation reality for you. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are what? Somebody know that? Become new. Why? Because it is a new creation reality that every moment you are not the same person you were an hour ago. Isn't that good news? 
For some of you who got in a fight on the way here, that's really good news. Am I the only one who knows that Sundays get wonky all of a sudden? Sundays can be the trippiest day of the week. Sunday morning, just trying to get to this place. Why? Because there's a very real enemy trying to trip your flesh up all along the way. Amen? Amen. That's why we get here and we raise up a hallelujah anyway. Irregardless. (laughs) Amen, my brother. So listen to this. We should also walk in newness of life. Back to Philippians. Paul says this. Though I could have confidence, he gets, goes into, a, into his own resume. Listen to this. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. He's like, let me just tell you something. I was a bag of chips and all that. I, I, I have the letter jacket to prove it, a Pharisee letter jacket hanging in my closet. Listen to what he says. He goes into who he was. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees. Remember, these are the religious leaders and rulers who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. Well, isn't he something else? He is all that. Now listen to this. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church and asked for righteousness That means being right, doing it right. He says this, I obeyed the law without fault. Not many people could say that. I once thought these things were valuable, but. You ever had someone come to you and say, I really love you, but. Kind of cancels everything that went before, right? That's what but does. And he's switching gears. He says, all of that, but. Cancel all of that. Delete. Wipe it away cut he says this but now i consider them worthless because of what christ has done paul is all in he's saying i gave up everything i was i I have nothing to be excited about back there there's nothing for me i don't want to go back i'm not bringing my trophies with me in fact i got rid of my letter jacket in a garage sale years ago because it's a, tro- it's a past. Look what he says. You know, sometimes when you highlight verses, sometimes you just got to highlight the whole verse. Because there's nothing except for the, n- the numeral here <laughs> that doesn't matter. Yes, everything else was worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He's laying it out. There's nothing else matters. For his sake, I have discarded everything else counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him that's what we call union with Christ that's coming to him that's having that not just knowledge but fellowship fellowship knowing him and actually enjoying him some of us are so afraid of him because we don't even enjoy him it's cowering it's I'm ashamed I'm afraid I messed up Oh, and i got to walk in the fear of the Lord because the Bible says that's the beginning of wisdom, so I better be afraid. When he's saying, I call you, no, I don't call you slaves, I call you friends. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you what? Rest. I don't see any cowering or crawling on glass there. He's saying, come to me. I'll give you rest. I'll lift that off of you. Become one with him. Verse 9, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. He says, man, I can't do enough. I can't make that happen. 
Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's Jesus who did this work. He says it's for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. How did you come to know Christ? By faith. Ah, by grace through faith. The only reason you had faith is because he gave you the grace to have it. It started with him and ends with him. We didn't create it. We didn't make it happen. We didn't stir it up. We just walked into Enrock receiving a gift. He put grace in our hands. We received it and faith came. And we heard the gospel and something resonated. Listen to this. Verse 10. This is where we're landing. That I may know him. This is Paul saying, I want to know him. And that word know is very important because it's the word nosco. And it literally means to know by experience or encounter or to have intimate knowledge of. He's saying, I want to know him intimately. I want to know him experientially. I want to know him through encounter. That's Annette's word for the year, encounter. I want to know him through encounter. Now, I'm not talking about getting fuzzies at the altar. I'm not talking about a charismatic show down here. I'm talking about a genuine know that you know, knowing in your knower as opposed to here. Not intellectual assent, but literally wrapping your heart around him and saying, I don't understand everything, but I want to know you. I want to know you. And look what Paul says. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. There it is again. This walking in newness of life. Living out of the power of resurrection. Not hanging on a cross. Oh, those movies that end with him on the cross make me furious. Because that isn't the end of the story. He was crucified. He was buried. And then, from what I understand, he went down and kicked some tail in hell. And then he came back. And when he was resurrected, he handed the keys of the kingdom over to us. He led death, hell, and the grave. He took them captive and led them through the streets. The Bible says parading them in shame. That's our conquering hero. And he says, oh, and by the way, here's the trophy. Here's the keys. It's kind of like David taking the head of the giant, Goliath, and dropping it at Saul's feet. Saying, here you go. Took care of this for you. That armor didn't fit, but here, I did it anyway. I got, you, got, got what you needed. Jesus says, I got it. Here it is. It's a gift for you. You know what you have to do with a gift, family? Got to receive it. I want to invite our worship team to come on up. We're going to land with this. Look at this. That I may know him and the power. It's a word dunamis. Oh, man. That is explosive power for working miracles. That's what it means. It's explosive. It's miraculous. It's supernatural, which means above and beyond nature. Supernatural. Now, look at this. The favorite part of this verse and the fellowship of his sufferings. You know what Paul's saying? He's saying you don't get power without suffering. There's a hand and glove effect going on here. They are working together. Kind of like Bob Wills, I don't trust any man who doesn't walk with a limp. There is something about getting some tread wear on your tires that matures and you either come out of these circumstances better or bitter, and the choice is yours. Jesus is going to meet you right where you are, and he's going to meet you at the point of your choice, the point of your belief. You're going to come out better or bitter. And when we come out better, let me tell you what we experience. We experience the power 
of his resurrection. What is that? Powerful working miracles so you can go ahead and lay hands on the sick? No, let me tell you what it really is. It's powerful making it through another day when you have a dead-end job that you're so frustrated about that you want to pull your hair out, but you get energy and grace in it to do it. It's making it through difficult circumstances, kids spinning out, spouses spinning out, life spinning out, cars breaking down, getting the pink slip at your job. Grace, power gets you through these things. And in the middle of it, because of the power of the resurrection, you shout hallelujah anyway. God is good. No matter what my circumstances are, God is good, period. Period. And you really believe it. You're not just saying it. So as we close today, back to where we started. Do you know? Do you know him? Do you know in your knower? And if you don't, and you're a little, little off on that, maybe this has resonated with you at some point. We're going to have our prayer team right here. And we're going to go ahead and let's come on up, prayer team. We're going to have some worship going. We're going to all stand together in just a moment. I'm going to pray. And then if you don't know and you need to know, let's settle that today. Don't leave this building without knowing. And on the other piece of that, you may need prayer for other things. We're here for you for whatever that is. So for whatever you need prayer for, we are here for, here for you. So don't hesitate to come. We're here for you and with you. So would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor you. We bless you. We thank you for your grace. Oh, by grace through faith. Father, if there's anyone here who has not gone all in, they have not quite stepped over the line, maybe they know some Bible verses. Maybe they have version on their, on their app, on their phone or their tablet, but it still hasn't dropped for them. Father, today, by your Spirit, Jesus said you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. Must be, not an option. Not maybe, but must be. So if you're here this morning and you're ready to take that step, every head bowed, every eye closed for a moment. If you're here and you're saying, I need to do that. I'm ready to step over the line. I'm ready to go all in because I know in my head, but I haven't quite made the jump into my heart. I'm ready for that. If that's you, would you raise your hand so I can see it? Just slip your hand up and then down again. I'll see it. Anybody here say, I'm ready to go in. I'm ready to go all in. is your moment this is your opportunity this is your chance it's your choice we're here for you for prayer father in the name of jesus in the name of jesus we thank you for your goodness and your grace and this week even as we step out of this building lord may we step out with an all-in heart saying whatever you need me to do lord wherever you want me to go whatever is needed Whenever you want me to do it, I'm here. I'm all in. We love you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Let's worship together. You can go ahead and stand to your feet as we worship.